welcome to the Barely Living Dread Girls podcast, where we like to get high and talk about horror movies. I'm Casey. Oh, it's my turn. Hi, I'm Jess. <laughs> She's Jess. Yeah. She's so pretty. <laughs> I play, I really like to play into the part. Yes. I'm actually kind of smart, but I'll never let you know it. But anyways. Boys don't like smart girls. But girls do. <laughs> oh my god, I just got so much hotter in here. What are you doing later? Listen, Ash Nico's album has made me so gay this week. So gay. She is Oof. girl crazy. But we're not talking, <sighs> this is not an Ash Nico podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be cool, maybe one day. Ooh, yeah, we'll do an Ash Nico episode. She does a lot of horror stuff. Yeah. Um, what are we covering today, Jess? <sighs> so this one? Is a tough one, guys. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so. Ugh. We're ending on a banger, an absolute banger. I don't care who you are. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. So this is Gerald's game. Um, it is the final edition of our Stephen King summer. Goodbye, Stephen King. I'm kind of sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but like also, I'm excited to get on to different movies. To be fair, as well, she has read all the books. As well as consuming all of the movies. So, like, I think it's absolutely fair if you say you're a little sick of it. I didn't read this book. I'm sorry. I didn't have time. But that's okay. I did read all the rest. Um, I know. <laughs> I Bitch, know. I can't even read. I read 20, like, I'm not illiterate. I think I have ADHD. If Rachel was watching this, that's my therapist. We talked about this yesterday. I was like, I read, like, 20 pages, and then I'll put the book down and go do something, and I'll come back. And it's like the page, like the words disappeared off the page. Oh, no, that sucks. It's awful. That's why I can't read. <clears throat> yeah. See, I just, I'm in a book club and I've been reading the book club book and not this book. But I'm reading Invisible Monsters and it's amazing. Well, to be fair, this is a movie review podcast. So if you take a break from the book, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and you I have it. You I, have time. I love this fucking movie. I really do. I am very excited to read the book um, one day. But um, yeah, Gerald's Game. Uh, it was a 92 book, I think. Uh, movie came out in 2017. It is a Netflix original, Netflix special. Directed by Mike, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan. We are Mike Stanigans around here. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> Total Mike Stanigans. Yes. Um, we should get shirts made this Yes. Um, and I love him. Uh, he did Gerald's Game. He did Dr. Sleep. He did Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor. He Midnight did, Mass. Um, Hush. I mean, the guy. The Midnight, guy's incredible. Midnight Club. I didn't see it. It's a really, it's. It's not as, like, horror-forward. It's more of, like, kind of like a teen drama horror. But it, it was, does drama well. It was really good, and it was really, like, gut-wrenching, because it's about, like, these kids that all have terminal illnesses going to this school together so they can basically live like a normal teenager mm-hmm. for the rest of their days. It's really sad. Wow. But, yeah. I mean, it's super powerful. Right. Um, so this is, um, this was considered, uh, Stephen King's unfilmable book. Um, again, I already admitted I haven't read the book, but I can a hundred percent see why, <laughs> yeah. uh, they would think that because, um, and I'm 99% sure that the figments in her imagination, her talking to Gerald and herself aren't a part of the book. Everything's just in her head. It's mm-hmm. literally just a woman on a bed is the entire book. <clears throat> and so... 
you know, everybody was like, you can't do that. It's just going to be her talking to herself. But Mike Flanagan knows what to do. I mean, and I mean, yeah, I mean, we're not reviewing Dr. Sleep this summer. Obviously, this is the last one. We'll review it one day, I'm sure. But I mean, what he did with that movie as a sequel to Kubrick's movie, but also a sequel to King's original book and an adaptation of the sequel. It, he literally mastered it so perfectly and just made everybody happy with that movie. And then there's this, and he puts his wife in everything. Kate Siegel, Kate Siegel. No, Carla Guagino is not. Carla Guagino uh, is the main character. She's uh, Jess. Uh, Kate Siegel is the mom, the pregnant mom, and oh. he is married to Kate Siegel. Did you see Hush? Yeah. She's the deaf woman. Oh my god! They're married. When they were writing that movie together, um, because they co-wrote that movie, he would go outside of their house and, like, walk around and try to find ways in the, to break into the house, and they were, like, writing it together that way, and she'd be, like, inside watching TV and, like, Yeah. That's They're crazy. A wonderful married couple. I love them. Yeah, she's beautiful, and I feel like beautiful. the mom definitely like looked like an older. I literally wrote perfect casting. Perfect casting. I have honestly confused them a time or two. Like I like at a very simple glance, just like oh, is that oh okay, that's uh, Kate Siegel or oh, I that's Carla Guagino. Chills. Yeah, because of how good the acting was in this movie. Carla Guagino is everything. <sighs> I mean, I've loved her. I've had a crush on her since Spy Kids. As oh a child. my god, you're so right. But I love her Fuck. in everything. She's incredible. She is incredible. Um, I think another person that uh gets kind of confused in that circle, the same kind of like Margot Robbie, uh, Samara Weaving, that kind of circle, those three also include um Oh my god, uh the person just slipped out of my mind. It'll come back to me. I feel like she looks like a brunette, um, via Formiga a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um but anyway, uh, I think before we get into this, yes, I would like to woo, just put out a little trigger warning. Um, Absolutely. This is a really hard movie to watch. I forgot how hard it was to watch for me because I'd only seen it once and it was when it like first came out on Netflix. Um, it's an incredible movie, but it definitely deals with the topic of sexual assault, um, sexual abuse against children, against children. Uh, I've yeah. been watching a lot of SVU recently, so I am glad that Jess brought that up because, and I've seen this movie so many times, but, um, I felt like, a, I feel like especially like these past few weeks, I'm a little more desensitized mm-hmm. specifically to the sexual abuse in TV and movies because I mean, SVU is every episode. And in the 100%. last two weeks, I've binged, in the last week and a half, I've binged three full seasons. Each episode's 40-something minutes, and there's 20-something episodes per season. One thing you need to know about Casey is when she, like, hyper-fixates on something, it is game over. Like, the fact that she can read a book in a week blows my mind. The fact that she can sit and binge three seasons of the same <laughs> show. And these are not bad things. These are things I'm... <laughs> My brain just would explode. I love Mariska Hargitay so much. But when Casey hyperfixates on things, like she and I, she just showed me a fucking picture she did in the clown bathroom. She's like, "Yeah, this has like it was like one of those little like um, diamond paintings. diamond paintings." She's yeah. like, "Yeah, this one has ten thousand on it." 
that one has 20,000. I was like, I want to throw up. <laughs> I like gave her a couple paintings that I did and they took me like an hour and I was just like, my nose is bleeding. Here's some blood. <laughs> so I do. I'm just not. I do hyperfixate. Yeah. I, I have, the, I go a couple months where I severely hyperfixate on one thing. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Nothing else can get in my way. I don't want to consume anything else. And yeah, currently it's Lot for SVU. Um, on top of Mariska Hargitay, I watched that show for iced tea. That man is amazing. I fucking love Ice-T. That show amazing. would not be the same. Would not be the same without him just saying shit. He just says shit. He just be saying shit. I'm convinced he doesn't have a script. He just goes on a set and just responds. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Love that man. Go watch SV. <laughs> I, I used to watch it all the time when I was younger. I didn't. It was never my mom's kind of show. And my mom and I kind of watched Criminal Minds a little when oh, I was in college. Oh, my grandma loves Criminal Minds. I think SVU is 10,000 times better than Criminal Minds. I do, too. And I loved Criminal Minds, but SVU is better. I, I agree. But Plus, Casey Novak is such a badass. That's true. Anyway, again, this is not an SVU podcast. But, yes, I do think a trigger warning is very necessary for this. Um, there are There is a slightly explicit scene, not... I spit on your grave explicit or anything like that. But there is a scene that is, it does go on for a few minutes. Um, there is a teenager involved or preteen. Um, I don't know how old the actress is. Uh, and an actor that I absolutely love, a Mike Flanagan regular. Um, that guy was in uh, Haunting of Hill House. He played Jack Torrance in Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really weird to see him be that creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like the dad from Black Phone. Yes, yeah, he does. Um, They are not the same, but um, it's... So, yeah, I'm I'm not even going to make any excuses for the trigger warning. I do think it's kind of hard to watch. The Uh, scene, like the scene of when they first get to the... the eclipse, or... No, before that, too. I think there there are several things that could be triggering in this movie. Yeah, I Um, I agree. Um, Especially if it's something that you're very, like, essay is something you're very, very, like, sensitive to. This may be, honestly maybe one to skip if you think if it's something that you can watch in movies and be okay with i think it's really well done and mm-hmm. i think this is a i mean and beyond the story it's a gr- amazingly shot movie the sound design is incredible mm-hmm. uh the acting is amazing i mean carla Gugino's performance is amazing <sighs> uh but if it's something you do struggle with in movies and tv and stuff like that and it's not something you like to consume in your media this might be one to skip because yeah. it's it's heavily featured. I mean, it's a big part of it. It's it's a it's how it's she a huge. Part it's of how it. she saves herself, right? So I think, and I I do think that that's why it's an, an integral part of the story. It's not, and that's another thing. It's not just thrown in as shock factor. Mm-hmm. This is a story about that and how she overcomes it, how she gets through it, and how she's able to accept it and tell people and it, it does end up saving her all those little things, you know, throughout her life and throughout the day kind of come back to, you know, save her in the end. Yeah. And it's a story about mental health and trauma and PTSD mm-hmm. and, you know, regression and how we hide away so many memories that are painful to us. And I think it shows a very interesting, not, uh, often shown side of um, a slightly abusive relationship. 
Right. Um, because I do think, in a way, and I, I in the end, I don't think Gerald's supposed to be the uh, evil in this movie. I don't think he's the bad guy. I think he's portrayed as kind of a bad guy. Um, and I think he's kind of meant to stand in for just, like, a generality of men. He is not the worst of them. He's not her father. He's not the Moonlight Man. He's just, he's every man. He's the every man. Right. So I don't think we're meant to come away with it being like, God, I'm so glad Gerald died. I think we're meant to come away knowing that she was with him because of the trauma she went through and still understanding that, yes, I do think it was an abusive relationship the way that he controlled her, even if it was subconsciously, Mm -hmm. the dynamic of their relationship, she still, and I I don't think that's, because it's so subtle that I don't think that that's a, a, a type of relationship that's portrayed often when you're seeing an abusive relationship of right. that kind. Yeah. Because it's so subtle. In a lot of movies, things are black or white. You know, if you're in a good relationship or a bad one. This one is way more gray. Way more gray. Way, absolutely. I mean, even in the end, uh, one of her last lines is, you know, your dad's shackles were... Uh, 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 silence, silence and his were comfort yeah like no that's not a bad thing but it's still his shackles of that marriage it, yeah it's really so good Stephen King's amazing <laughs> yeah the the play on like the trauma of like her relationship with her dad mm-hmm. you know like Mary. causing her to end up being with somebody that marrying was, into the same dynamic yeah the same the dynamic control. the only dynamic she's ever known that's like a, a line in the movie but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Carly uh-huh. Gugino, the other, uh, Gerald is played by Bruce Greenwood. He was also in Gerald's game. I think he's amazing. Um, not Gerald the, uh, character, but several things that, uh, Bruce Greenwood does remind me so much of Jeff. He reminds me of Jeff in so many ways, but in the good ways when he's acting like a normal person and not like a psychopath. <laughs> Um, but anyway, Bruce Greenwood's amazing, and then, yeah, Kate Siegel is, uh, the mom later on. Um, I didn't get the name of the little girl who plays the actress, but she's really good, too. Yeah. Uh, we start with Bring It On Home. God, I love that song. (laughs) Um, I was singing along to it, and, uh, we have these, we, I love the overhead shots of them packing, Mm -hmm. and he lays out the cuffs just, like, perfectly on top, and then zips it up. And she, like... Puts her beautiful slip dress on the bed and looks at it. And yeah, I was like, they're packing up for a sexy getaway. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. They are uh, headed out to their um, little cabin in the woods. It's like a lake house kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. They've got a dock. It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Pretty far away from people, though. Yes, they are in the middle of nowhere. They talk about that. Um, like half a mile away is like the nearest neighbor um which which in retrospect isn't far but you know it's important it's important (laughs) yes uh so they're on their way there they almost hit this dog because it's in the middle of the road and i just the first time it reminded me of jeff when i watched this the first time um they almost hit the dog and she's like looking at it in the rearview mirror and he says we're not not going going back back for it and (laughs) i'm just like that would be me i'd be like do you need a yeah, 100% me too. Do you, do you need but, a home? But worse for me is that I don't have anyone to tell me no, so I'm just like, Skrrr! You got two dogs at home to tell you, uh-uh, no one else. <laughs> yeah. They said we don't need another brother. Especially Leroy, he's like, I already have one dumbass in this house. Don't bring me another. And Steel's just like, hee. <laughs> Steel has no thoughts. <laughs> so he wouldn't, he wouldn't think yes it's or no, just, he'd just be like, 
And his head is just the like clapping monkey, just going do 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 do. Just all day. That's me sometimes. Maybe he learned it from me. Got it from my mama. Um. So, dog shows up at the lake house once they get there. Because she brings it out some Kobe ribeye. He's like, it's, it's 200 from Kobe. I know, it's from Kobe. I laughed every time he did that. Um, it's $200 a portion. Who the fuck would spend that much on meat? I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> she does feed it to the dog, and I love that. It's re- It's actually, and I think it's important to see this side of Gerald, too, because, yes, he does come out, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? But he even tells her to leave it. He's like, you know. That'll be the best meat he's ever had. He's like, you're, that's the woman I married. That's that loving, you know, that's, you are who you are. And I just like that. I thought that was really important to see that side of them. Absolutely. Before we see him turn in about 35 seconds. Right. Well, I think it's important to note, too, that we already thought they had a strange dynamic from the start when they're in the car driving to the house. Oh, there's tension. Oh, 100%. He, like, puts his hand on her leg and, like, starts to rub up her dress. And she, like grabs his hand and, like, kisses it, and it's just like, no. <laughs> and he's like, this is going to be so good for us, Jess. Yeah. yeah I was like, that's my Jess. name. Yeah. That's my name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um. I don't even think they eat the steak. Oh, the dog eats the steak. They don't. They had more steaks, though. Oh, they had they more didn't steaks, eat. but the dog. Yeah. The dog got some steak, and then he got some. Soiling green. <laughs> but we're now we're moving to the bedroom. She's got her beautiful slip dress on. She's God, trying to like Carla Guagino. She's gorgeous. Oh my God! What I was a like, stunner. I was like, no matter what position you lay in, you look damn good. And she's like, you can tell she's like a little nervous. Like she's like, like kind of smoothing herself out and just like changing like, her she poses. Can't out how she wants to say. It's so. I'm it's, just like. Oh. I feel bad for both of them. That's the thing. I just feel like they were both in the wrong relationship, maybe. Yeah. And just neither of them know how to communicate, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has an excuse. We just don't know what his is, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't know what his childhood was like. We're only in her head. Even though Gerald stays with us the rest of the movie, it is Gerald. Her subconscious. Her, yeah, it is her Gerald. It is yeah. Gerald in her head. It's her um, inner monologue, torn. And you can kind of tell he acts so much different. Mm-hmm. Her portrayal of him is so narcissistic and just such an asshole. And that's not really how he was before that. Like, he was kind of an, a dick. Like, you could t- tell there was some tension. Like, they were mad at each other and not 100% together. But he wasn't that much of a dick. Right. But her in her mind, her little outline of him... Her version of him is just straight up asshole. Yeah. And I think that says something about the way she felt about him when he died. Or, well, right before he died. Right. <laughs> I think right after she felt differently. Um, but, but he did pop a Viagra. Yes. Because he, he was right trying before. to get with the lead. Yeah. Uh, and he got a little glass of water. Um, it's like almost Every a little, little detail is so important in this movie. Yes. It's almost a little secondhand embarrassment when he's trying to, like, role play. Because you can really feel her, like, un- being uncomfortable with it. Because he's trying to, like, set up, like, a rape fantasy, basically. Yeah. He's got her handcuffed to the bed. So her hands, one hand is over here on the uh, bedpost. And the other hand is tied to the other bedpost with real metal handcuffs. Her legs are free. 
Um, and he, like, gets on top of her. He's doing, like, a little, like, ooh, I bet your husband... I bet you wish your husband was coming back. And, and like, rip the pillows out from under she's her. She's, like, you know, you can just tell she's really uncomfortable. And she starts, like, freaking out and saying, get off of me. And he's, like, what the fuck? I thought you were going to try this. And there's this... There's a really, really sad line that she says. She's, like, this isn't going to save us. It never was. And then she says, please just get me out of here. And the, the one of the most chilling parts of the entire movie is when he looks at her and he says... What, what if, if I, I won't? What if I won't? Yeah. And she says, what? It's like, what if I'm nice, though? Like, that part is so chilling. That, like, that turn of, like, but what if I'm nice now? What if I, what, what if I don't let you? What if we just try? It just, oh, that, like, this, I think, is one of the things that I think would be so hard to watch is watching her so helpless. Yeah. So, with the man she trusts more than anyone. The yeah. man she loves. And, and like, ugh. literally just so defenseless. You have, like, imagine your arms just being completely, that, you, nothing. You just, you, mm. She said no. She said stop. She did not want that. So, I think it's very important. Um, I know a lot of people, like, people that we know, because of the people we surround ourselves with know this. But to, to everybody that may not have quite the understanding of these things... Marriage does not equal consent. Nope. Like, it doesn't matter if you're married. Nope. doesn't matter if you're dating. Nope. It, none of that matters. No is always no. Stop is always stop. And I it think... It doesn't matter if it's in the middle of something. If you've been married for 40 years and you're in the middle of sex and one of the partners says no... You don't finish. That's the end of consent. You get off. That's, that's the it. end of consent. You can, take, you can take away consent at any point. Absolutely. And yes, that... 100% what he is about to do... Would have there's no I mean there's no question about it that is that is that line yeah if she says no that's it yeah um so sorry I just wanted to yes and she so he goes in for another kiss and she bites the shit out of him yeah she I does. love that for her and not in a sexy way like get the fuck no, off I mean, me this you is can the hear, only like, way I can defend crunch. myself and again part of the sound design yeah she like kind of crunches on his lip and he like backs up and he's like what the fuck and you can see he's getting mad. And then, again, Bruce Greenwood's such a good actor. I think it's kind of, he's, like, almost a little in the background because Carla is so amazing mm-hmm. that you can almost forget about his performance. But right here, when he's really mad, and then you just slowly start to see on his face just that, like, he's like, we're happy. And he's, like, kind of holding his chest and holding his arm. And just, like, the, like... The emotions just crossing his face are so fucking good. It feels so real. Yeah. And he has a heart attack and dies on top of her. Just right on her. Oh, my God. And she's like, uh, um. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. What a little makeup. And she manages to, like, get her feet up and she pushes him off her. And then he just goes, blub, blub. Cracks his head on the fucking ground. That fucking thud. The sound design, like you said. Yeah. That thud, I was like, ooh, if, if for whatever reason, if he wasn't already dead. He did. He did now. He did, he did now. now. And she, again, she's, like, laying on the bed with her hands up here. He's at the foot of the bed, so she can't actually see him. She sees, like, part of his, like, hand mm-hmm. laying there, but she can't see what he's doing. She's screaming and crying. And, again, another really well shot and sound directed moment is when... We're looking at her and she's yelling and then we're at the window and she's yelling and it's quieter. And then we're a little further and it's quieter. And then we're out like 
past yes. the driveway. I love you can't that shot. Even hear her I screaming. love those shots. And it's to establish like how far away anyone is. No one is going to hear her. Yeah. Ever. And I just love that she has these like in and out moments of kind of sanity. Like when he's laying there and she's screaming for help and you can feel the desperation in her yelps and her screams and she's like sound more real now like still talking to him like he's like oh and she's like Craig she's like you could you could do whatever you want just just get up and try again it's fine it's fine she's like she's in denial she's trying to deny that he's that he's gone and the <coughs> um the the straw that finally breaks her mind is that dog comes back because she had left the door open. That was also very important, and they made it important because she like they walk in, He's, she like, turns her along a little bit. She sees the doors open, and then she turns back and walks in, and I'm just like, mm. dog comes in, starts sniffing around. He's a hungry stray. There's fresh meat on the floor. What do you think the dog's gonna do? Dog's gonna do what dog does. This dog did nothing wrong. I'm so he didn't. I'm just, the, so at this point we see a pool of blood yes. emerge around Gerald. Um and the dog comes in slurping the blood and she's like, Get away from him but not before the dog is like hop grabs a piece of his arm flesh. Uh she like there's a very important Right above the, or between the two poles of the bedpost, there is a shelf just mm-hmm. above her head. And there's, like, a book up there. She throws the book at it. What book was it? Do you remember? Oh, no, and I didn't write it down. It was Midnight Mass. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I, I didn't that. realize that the first time I watched it. I, I was like, that. I was like, fuck, it's Midnight Mass. That's so cool. Um, And you can, like, her mind kind of breaks in that moment. Because you can see, like, so she's, like, looking over at it, and his hand comes up and grabs the bed, and he stands up. And she's, like, you can see this look on her face, like, oh, my God, he's alive. Oh, my God, he's alive. And when it, the, like, uh, point of view changes, like, to the other side of the room, and you watch him step over his own body to, like, Mm -hmm. kick at the dog or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're, like, oh, no. And he even starts talking. He's, like, I've been down there, what? hour hour and a half you just been screaming wasting oh, time God, so then they start going through um so these like these parts of her mind are processing everything and like they start like her and you know Gerald yeah um that part of her mind are going through all the realizations of the fact that the neighbors won't be there till June yeah. the gardeners came beforehand the maid came beforehand fridges stopped there's nobody coming there's nobody coming yep uh which yeah (laughs) who could hear you scream besides cujo another reference right which i think is funny i love easter eggs uh stephen king's world is full of them yes uh uh i do so that's why i like that mike flanagan threw something of his in there right Uh, i was like okay and, again, there's, like, little things that, you know, she's trying to figure out what she needs to do. She remembers this stupid joke that Gerald said. And yeah. she's like, I'm a life support system. I need to figure out how to keep it going. 
and when uh, that's when she's just talking to Imaginary Gerald, and then Imaginary Jess comes up, and uh, she says something about like she's like. She's, we might die here today because of Gerald's five inches. <laughs> I just thought that was a really funny line. Um, and there's, so we start getting these hints of something, that something happened to her when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And the imaginary Gerald doesn't know what's going on. And it's a literal representation of her not being able to even admit things to herself. To, own, to some of her own parts of her own mind, mm-hmm. she can't admit what happened to her. And that what happened to her is a bad, was a terrible, awful, tragic, traumatic thing. Um, so, uh, there's, they start talking about the Viagra mm-hmm. because, and Carlo, the imaginary Jess is like, you're happy he took those little blue pills. And, All little subtle clues that yeah. we love to, like, see her slowly start to break down in her own mind. Because when she had been tied up, there was, like, a very pointed shot of her looking at the bottom of a bottle of pills, and he had gotten thirsty from them, so he went and grabbed the glass of water, took a little drink of it, and set it on top of the shelf. And that's when she remembers, oh, shit, there's a glass of water up here. How am I going to get it? And then so she's, like, tilting the shelf. She tilts it. She gets it in her hand, but then she can't bring her hand to her mouth. And that's when she remembers that Gerald said something about the slip that she was wearing, which was brand new. She had taken the tag off. Like, all these cool little things. That I, like, if I was trapped in this situation, I think I'd probably just lay there and be like, fuck. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't think I'd think of these little things. Because she makes the tag into, like, a straw. And drinks the water. So she can drink the water. It's... And save some for later. Like, <sighs> that's, you know, I would have drank it all. And I would have been like, well, I'm dead. Yep. Well, I'm, that's the last of my water. Yeah, there's, like, the, the imaginary Jess is, like, the, uh, uh, like, logical part of her, her conscience trying to keep her alive. And, um, oh my god, when she's, like, working with the, um, shelf thing, mm-hmm. and she's, like, holding the glass, and she's putting it back up there, her arms are so toned. Oh my god, her arms are so toned. Oh man. Mine are so flabby. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> Anyways, so, you know, she's needs to save her strength. Um, so she, what little she has left. So she's she drifts off to sleep, but is awoken. Um, the dog hears, oh my god, truly, the dog is whining, and then it, like, runs away, and it's just, like, this slow scene of her staring into the darkness of the room, and the first thing that I saw was, like, between two, like, between the window and, like, the wall, with, like, the curtains down, I see just, like, an arm kind of come into focus, and then I just, like, you see this gigantic... It's almost like your eyes are focusing with the dark as hers are. Yes. Another beautifully shot Yes. It's like scene. your eyes are adjusting to the dark. Because it's not like he steps forward or the lights come on or anything. Because it's a dark room. It's just that he kind of slowly comes into view. Mm-hmm. It's literally like your eyes are adjusting to the dark. Yeah. So, we're living this horror with her. It's and not it's, like we see it before her. We are, like, experiencing this together. And it's this gigantic deformed, terrifying 
That's what that guy really looks like, too, by the way. Man. Oh, I feel bad saying he's deformed. He has acromegaly. It's an actual um, condition. So his arms really are that long. His forehead protrudes. Um, he's done a couple, um, like, parts like that. Um, and I want to say it's the same. Yeah, acromegaly. I think that's the same thing that Tiny, um, the uh, uh, actor that played Tiny yeah. in House of Thousand Corpses, I think that's the same thing he suffered from. Oh, he that passed. Makes sense. I think this guy is still alive. But yes, I mean, they added a little bit. He doesn't, like, they put makeup on him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, and, like, And, his like, eyes, on his teeth. Yeah. But, um, no, that's what his actual body looks like. Um, yes, he, that actor really does have acromegaly. And it's, but they make him look terrifying. They obviously make, he doesn't look like a real person in the movie. He his looks, eyes look sunken in and black. Yeah, like, it's, like, they're black. They're yellow and glowing. And his, his skin teeth is are like, gray. Like, just gray all around. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, in, like, a big overcoat kind of thing. And he's got this, like, bag of bones and jewelry. And it's like, like a chest. It's terrifying. It's, it's a really scary fucking scene. scary. It's a sc- And there's a jump scare with him later that I still, like, every time I see it, I'm just like, ooh. With the dog in the foot. Oh, I hate it. Um, So she's staring at him and she literally just says, you're not real. She's like closing her eyes and Gerald comes back like imaginary Gerald. He's like, are you sure? Are you sure he's not real? Are you sure he's not real? Are you sure about that? Um, And she closes her. I love this part too, because she closes her eyes and she keeps them closed for long enough. That you don't know if it was real or not. She keeps her eyes closed for long enough before it, like, jumps, the camera jumps back to that corner that he could have had enough time to leave or he could have not been there. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, it's that, like, when you're first watching it, you're like, oh, my God, was that real? Like, was that a real, like, uh, like... I, the first time I watched this movie, I was like, figment of her imagination. Yep. Just something. Absolutely. She's, she's going through it. She is stressed. Absolutely. She's. That's her, that's her specter of death. Yeah. That's what she's seeing because yeah. she's going crazy. She's dying. She's hallucinating. Absolutely. And that's why I love that part because if she closed her eyes and opened them right back up and he'd have been gone, then yeah, that would have been obvious and it wouldn't have made sense later. She closed her eyes for a long time. Yeah. Had plenty of time. Um, and even uh, like the imaginary Gerald, she's like, he's not real. He's not real. And he's like, then what spooked the dog? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Are you sure he's not under the bed? <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then we get the uh, flashback. Yeah. And it's not, um, it's hard to watch, describe, talk, talk about, about, think about. Um, but we're going to get through it because we reviewed Cannibal Holocaust on this fucking show. Mm. So... So we're going to get through it, okay? We're going to get through it. So we flash back to uh, Jess as a 12-year-old, 12 years old, and her family, she's got some younger siblings, and her mom and her dad, her mom's pregnant, played by Hey Siegel. Um, So they're all, there's an eclipse that's going to happen at their little river house, lake house, or whatever that they have. Um, all these people are so fucking rich. Right. Uh, who's like, I don't I want a lake house. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, if you're listening, invite us out to your lake house. My boss told me he started listening to our podcast. He loves how we called Michael Myers, Mikey My My. Mikey My My. That's he, my he boy. He loved it. I was you're like, you listen to my podcast. So Jesse, if you're listening, invite us to your lake house. We're not saying you're rich because you have a lake house, but 
I'm not saying no, but this family that you should invite us out so we can go on the boat with Carl. Carl's his German Shepherd. He's a big baby. Oh my god, that's awesome. He has one ear that goes like this. One ear that goes like this. All right, I love Carl. (laughs) We we, this is a Carl Stanigan. (laughs) Carl and Mike Stanigan. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) So, um, uh, well, the little baby Jess doesn't want to go on the boat to go watch the eclipse. There's this very uncomfortable scene where the mom and the dad are fighting, and the mom's like, yeah, she's daddy's little girl, and I hate the mom. I hate the mother. I hate the mother she's almost as much as I hate the dad. She's talking so fucking poorly about this she's child. She's like, yeah, I'm, she's such a brat. She always rolls her eyes at me. She's so good for you, though. And I'm like, she's 12, and if you suspect something, why are you blaming your daughter? Because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like she knows there's, like, something weird happening or gonna happen and she's literally blaming Jess and Jess is kind of listening but anyway mom and or dad and Jess stay back while the rest of the family goes on the boat and they're out on this bench and they're watching the eclipse Sam starts playing again and we get a a fucking again back to that song everything comes back because when they were in the car and Sam starts playing she turns the radio off and it's because when that song started playing when she was 12 years old, uh, her dad asked her to sit on his lap, and he, uh, yeah, and that is what happened. And I don't know how to say anything else. I don't want to say the words. So let's go watch the movie. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, he doesn't touch her, whatever. It's just, it is, it's a, it's kind of an explicit scene. It is, it's really hard to watch. Um, he, he does touch himself he touches himself with her arms um and she knows what's happening you can see it on her face um and it again it does go on for a little while it's a very uncomfortable scene to watch um and i'm uncomfortable like i'm just literally slumped in my seat right now because i just am so uncomfortable even it's oof it's really really bad and uh we do flash back to her talking to the imaginaries um and gerald's like you never told me that and she's like i never told anyone I have never told a single person. And she is defending herself against her own conscience, saying, he didn't rape me. It is not, he never touched me. He, it's not the worst thing that anyone's ever done to someone. And her imaginary Jess goes, no, that would be what he did in the bedroom after. And it is. This is almost harder to watch, I think because it's too real to watch um we flash back um oh right before we flash back when gerald imaginary gerald's talking to her one of my favorite absolute favorite tiny it may be my favorite detail in the entire movie is when he's talking and i didn't notice it the first two times i watched this movie when there's in this scene right before they flash back to the bedroom um gerald's talking and there's like a little fly on his tooth and, and he, he licks it spits it out and a little fly, like, run, like he, like, spits it out and the fly, like, flies away oh, yeah. because it's on his dead body. Uh, and so the, even the imaginary him is, because she, like, saw the flies buzzing around at the bottom of the bed. And so even the imaginary him, like, and spits a little fly out. It is just, it's the tiniest little thing. And I'm just like. <laughs> so anyway, we do flash back to when she's 12. After this happened, she t- she had this dress on that. You know, her mom said it was too small for her. When we flash back, she's changed into jeans and a long sleeve sweater. Right after what had happened. 
And then her dad proceeds to gaslight the absolute fuck out of her. Like the worst I've ever seen in a movie. It's it's disgusting. Manipulation. It's disgusting. Oh, to its finest. Because he, I mean, like, and again, I love this actor. I think he does such a good job with it because I hate him in this role. I hate him. The way he's like. We have to tell mom. We have to tell mom. She won't blame you. Probably. She might. Because you guys don't have a great relationship. Because she doesn't really like you. And it's, you know, things so are So it'll, it's going to be worse. Everything is going to be so much worse. So. But I, we should tell her. we have to tell her. Because if we don't, then we can never tell anybody. And she's like, well, I won't. And he's like, well, no, you'll tell somebody. You can't tell. We, we have to tell her now. We it'll, can't, if we can't tell somebody in a week, in a month, in 10 years. Like, if, if we. If we don't say it now, we can never, ever, ever say it. And he literally made this little girl feel so bad about it literally convinced her it was her fault without telling her it was her fault. Like, I, and the fact that, like, I know this has happened. This has happened a million times over. This is the mentality that, unfortunately, so many survivors have and victims have. The guilt, the shame. Because of the manipulation that that they face. Like, like, reports are so fucking low Mm -hmm. because... That is the mentality that, unfortunately, just has been rampant for so long. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's literally, it's the embodiment of somebody doing that to somebody. It just. And him making it, like, the whole thing is about him making it seem like it was her idea. Yes. To keep it the secret. And he's like, how could I ever, have I ever denied you anything you've ever wanted? Right. Like, she didn't. Because she yeah, didn't he, want that. And, no, and she, he convinces her that she she's banging him. She's like, no, 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 please don't tell Please, I don't want you to tell. Please, I'll keep a secret. Like, he is fully convinced this little girl. And... <sighs> it's heartbreaking. You, like, Jess is talking about Because she loved her it. dad yes. so much. Like, she was, like, and she, a daddy's girl. Uh, like, grew up into an adult in that moment, knowing that if she told, or if something happened, or... She was so afraid of it happening to her little sisters mm-hmm. uh, that there's even a point later in the flashback where uh, you can see her dad put a hand on the mom's stomach and she literally breaks a glass of milk in her hand. And this is when I wrote, I love that everything comes back around. The pills, mm-hmm. the water, the slip, the glass, the song. Yep. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, when she, she, like, smashed a glass in her hand when she was a little kid, and her dad had to, like, you know, bandage her up or whatever. And so we flash back, and... I'm sorry, this scene... What? I'm just laughing at this scene. Yeah. Not the, not the fucked up scene, I'm sorry, the, this, this scene we're about to talk about. Yes. Because it's, it's absurd. It's wonderful. It's terrifying. It's... We're building it up a lot. I oh, hope. No, it's a lot. It's, there are, I mean, there are people in the horror community. I mean, the dead meat people. Chelsea, Rebecca, one of the greatest living horror icons, honestly, that's not, a, you know, that's not an actress. Mm-hmm. Like, living horror research legend, I guess is what you could say, literally said she almost passed out watching that scene. Like, I know people, like, I felt weak. I have never felt, like, I love the Saw movies, I love the Final Destination movies, I love gore, I love practical effects, and I'll be kind of grossed out. That's one where the first time I watched it, I, like, got a little nauseous. I, like, got, Oof. like, a little, like, <sighs> just, like, not okay about it. So well, why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and talk, <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> so she's, 
like, so they say it's going to hurt like hell, but the thing about blood is that until it dries, it's slicker than oil. Oh, I think we're talking about different things. Oh, what are you talking about? I was talking about, because after she wakes up from oh, that. Oh, I forgot about that's that That's why part. I was giggling. I'm sorry. Because yes. this part was like. Never mind. I was talking about something later that made me. Yes. Almost vomit and pass out. <laughs> this is a great jump scare, though. It is. Yes. So she is waking up from her, um, the flashback that she was having in her dream. And. Well, and it starts in the flashback as teen Jess. Yes. 12-year-old Jess falls back on the bed. And then with the same position. And then she wakes up in that position. And she looks down and the Moonlight Man is licking her feet. Well, and that's, so that's as teenage Jess. Teenage Jess looks down and the moonlight man's licking her feet. And then Jess wakes up yeah. and it's the dog licking her foot. Yeah, it definitely seemed more like a, like a, um, like lucid dream. Exactly. Like she was waking, like she, she had it was already like kind she of woken was up. her, like in her current self. Yeah. But then. When her mind finally came to, she it was, was like, the dog oh, licking her him. foot. But yeah, because she like kind of half woke up, saw something licking her foot, and then yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so she kicks the dog. Dog bites the shit out of her. Um, and she, yeah, is like screaming and kicking away. But um, yeah, I think that happens before the scene, flashback scene with the glass. Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. But anyway. Doesn't matter. We finally get to this part. The, the part that Ugh. everyone, ta- if anyone this, talks about oh, something in yes, this movie. Yes, this part absolutely This was. is the part that they talk about. Um, and this is what I was talking about a moment ago. It's, so, she takes the glass in her hand. And again, there's like this big wooden shelf above her. She takes it and she smashes the glass to pieces, mm. grabs a shard, mm. wedges it in, and like slices across her wrist and then up into her palm. So there's like an upside down T. And then if you know what a degloving is, that's what this is called. It's called degloving. Mm-hmm. And Mike Flanagan is literally famous for it. Hand trauma. Like because in Dr. Sleep, uh, Rose the Hat degloves herself. In Hush, she gets her hand completely fucking smashed to pieces. Mm. Like, hand trauma is Mike Flanagan's thing, I think. And uh, this is the best one because she, so she cuts her hand and she starts pulling it. (laughs) Everything you say, I'm just like. In this, I mean, what is it, three minutes long? It was just watching this extremely practical and like well done, just like sliding her hand through the cuff. And you can literally see the, like, tendons, like, pulling and stretching as the skin's, like, folding, trying to, like, fit through the... Ah! Her subconscious was like, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, either You're gonna you either die or you die. You die or you die. You get out and you, you, you slit your wrist and you die, or you slit your wrist and you get out, or you die of dehydration. Like, you, those are your choices. Right. So she's, you know, she does that. She tries to get the phone. Phone's dead. Eventually gets the key. Like this she is all drag such... the entire bed. It is so slow. It to... is so agonizingly slow watching her. I loved it because it like a lot of movies like they'll be like it'll be like a cut to that and a it's, cut that's to this. What I'm saying, yeah, but no, it's, it's literally so... like a continuous shot of her just being like 
You're the phone dropped, throw the phone. She, like, goes to the other side of the bed, gets up, and then, like, after not standing for two fucking days, she pull- no strength in her body, pulling this fucking entire bed, bed because the reinforced posts, and she has to pick up the cuff key with her fucked up hand so that she can unlock the other one, drops the first key, does it again, unlocks it with her teeth, mm-hmm. passes out... <laughs> I, as, you know, I mean, she put pads on her hand, which I thought was really smart. Yes, that was very interesting. Um, and then, like, to stop the bleeding, passes out, wakes up to the dog fucking attacking her again. <sighs> but there's still a whole dead body there, dude. Like, well, not a whole, well. Yeah, but it's been bit. dead for over a day now, and her he wants fresh a lot meat. fresher. Yeah. Um, and so, she gets the keys eventually, dog runs away, gets scared again, and what did he get scared of? Oh, man. Uh, it was the Moonlight Man again. You're not real. You're only made of moonlight. It's what she keeps telling him. She, uh, she takes off her wedding ring and gives it to him in his little box of treasures. That's his, that's her toll. You know, that's, and, uh, yeah, it's, I literally wrote, fuck yeah, girl, but also, how are you not dead? Because I'm like... She, and this was after, so she eventually, she gets to the car, she starts it, she's driving, she passes out. She rams into a tree. Yeah, I'm she, like, I literally wrote, how are you not dead? She dreamt of, like, the Moonlight Man and the Eclipse. Yes. And then she crashes into the tree, and I was like, fuck. Yeah, and we keep jumping back to that, like, uh, scene of the two of them outside, but just that scene of the bench and everything's so drenched in red, because it's a, an eclipse of the sun. And it's just so beautiful. I love all the orange and red shots. Of the sun. Once upon a time, I was Don't. tied to a bed. <laughs> now I ain't got skin on my hand. What happened to all the good mans? All because the moonlight man. I liked that. Because so the moonlight directly to uh, Weird Al, or do you have to send it to his producers? Oh, Casey, <laughs> sweetie, I have a whole goddamn backlog of stupid covers of songs that I would love to turn into an album. I love that. <laughs> Please let me be a backup singer. So that, um, that was just stupid. I'm so sorry. So, but she gets to the neighbor's house. She crashes, but she does get to them. They find her. She's honking the horn. She gets out of the car. They save her. Uh, and then we cut to six months later, or did it even say? It didn't say. It didn't say. So it was, it's some time later, enough that she's gotten her insurance settlement. Everything's settled down. Uh, you know, she's gotten some skin grafts. She's enough to get several skin grafts, and those take months to heal. And like um, the. The people that worked for the firm that yeah. her husband, you know, had owned, like, were, like, trying to cover everything up. Like, the de- just the details. I like, keep them keep them private like, from the paper. Like, yes, the paper. And like, yeah, exactly. If you read a paper, a story in the paper that's like, oh, a guy died and his wife was trapped. Okay. And, you know, and then she survived. That's fine. But if you read in the paper that she was tied to a bed with handcuffs and he had a heart attack on top of her and she had to deglove, like... I would be glad that it kept kept the details out of the papers too. Yeah, me too. Uh, like, so I didn't mean I didn't mean covered up in a bad way. I meant like not disclose all of the facts. Yes, 
for the but general exactly, public yeah. purposes. And so, uh, Carla Gugino is um, doing a voiceover for the end of the movie. Um, she's writing a letter to her younger self. Um, and it is so fucking batshit crazy of Stephen King to throw in one of the most interesting serial killer stories I've ever heard in my life as an ending voiceover to a movie that had nothing to do with it. I mean, a guy born with acromegaly starts by raiding fucking tombs and graves for jewelry and little bones. Then it goes on to... Chopping them up and fucking the corpses. And then goes on to killing and raping people. And then when they find him, he also had a mom and a sister that he called mommy and daddy and he'd eaten most of them. And they were dead. And, and just jars and jars of fucking like, and, ears I mean, and This could make it an incredible fucking story. He just tosses it on the end, just sprinkles it on like Parmesan. On top of this fucking story that, again, has nothing to do with it. He just threw the Moonlight Man in, like, go fuck yourself. So, oh my god. So she's telling the story, so eventually, so she heard in the papers that this man with acromegaly, I can't remember what they said his name was, got caught, and she sees his face in the paper, and she's like, oh my god, this is the guy. He's real. I thought he was in my imagination. But it's good for her, because she was so afraid she couldn't sleep. She realizes he's real, and he's being arraigned and uh oh before that though she's like you know in her story she's telling her younger self like i went years without telling that story to anyone and now i tell it as often as i can to any kid who can help she starts Mm -hmm. like a program to help abuse teenagers and it's just it's just a sweet little ending and then yeah she's talking about how she can't sleep so she goes to the courthouse on the day of his arraignment Mm -hmm. and he's huge and he's And she walks in, and she was just like, hey. And he turns and he looks at her, and it is horrifying. And he, like, breaks his fucking, like... I think he's got zip ties. Yeah, and he puts them up. Yeah. Like, when she was, like, chained up, and he's like, you're not real. You're only made of moonlight, which is what she said to him. And, like, oh, God, I have chills. And, he, yeah, he's, like, and they're all, like, trying to, con- like, all the cops and bailiffs. They're trying, to, trying restrain to restrain him. him. And she's, like, she walks right up to him. I love it. It's one of my favorite last lines of the movie. She walks right up to him and she goes, you're, you're so small, much smaller than I remember. And then walks away. Boop. And she's, like, bitch, yes. Walks out. All of her monsters have been put to, to, rest. to rest. Yeah. All of them. All of her monsters are gone. And for the first time in Jess's entire fucking life, she can live as a normal person and not have to be afraid and not be shackled. And, and not that live line, under these secrets. Yeah. And the, it's just, it's her coming to the realization that, like, no, Gerald wasn't an evil man, but she went to him because that was all she knew. She only knew that dynamic. And she stayed because she was afraid she was shackled mm. i mean it just it's yeah oh god i love, mm, I love so it's incredible um the attention to detail how everything has a purpose it's very like stanley kubrick to me in that mm. aspect of like you can tell that's uh, an inspiration of this for it's sure it's absolutely purposeful yeah. um everything and i think it's just like god it's such a hard watch it's not a movie 
I will probably watch again for maybe another couple years. But it will stay with you forever. And it was so well acted. Yes, absolutely. It was well directed. Cinematography was incredible. Lighting, sound, sound lighting. Design. Oh my god! The all soundtrack. the all the like eclipse moments that we see in that like being the cover of the movie is like you know we have the eclipse. The Ugh. writing. I mean, every part of this movie. I do. It's. It. I forget all the time that it's a Netflix original to the point where when I went to rewatch it for this, I like almost went and Googled like, Oh, where is this movie? And I'm like, duh, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix special. Mike, like, Mike Flanagan single-handedly keeping fucking Netflix alive. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. Netflix, you're not doing it. Pay and your fucking writers. This is actually our third Netflix special that we've done on this podcast. We In the Tall did... Grass. And oh, Delta. it's our fourth. Oh. We did In the Tall Grass, uh, The Perfection, and The Platform. Oh, yeah. We did The Platform. No, we didn't do no, the we platform. Didn't. We talked about doing it. We need to do the platform. That movie is but fucking yeah, the crazy. Pl- uh, Perfection is too. But those are all, uh, and I mean, people can say whatever they want about Netflix specials. Those are fucking incredible. I would love to do Squid Game eventually too. Whew. Um, I've only gotten so far in that. That's a hard watch for me. I don't even know why. That one just makes. So good. I can't uh, wait till the second season comes out. Um, I need to, I need to just completely restart it. Cause I think I only got like three episodes in. I want to rewatch it with a different, um, subtitle, uh, the um, translations are different depending on what subtitle you listen to. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so Gerald's Game, amazing. Um, and I think it is the perfect uh, end to um, Stephen King's summer. I cannot believe we are already at the end of summer. Uh, I am still shocked that she let me do this. I have had <laughs> so much fucking fun. I've had so much fun, too. I got to... Because we, you know, like, we both have a collective love for horror, but we come from such different backgrounds when it comes to horror. And for me, it's like I got to go into Casey's world and her mind and her beginnings. Um, And I know that, like... where I started. Yeah, and her and her mother both love books and Stephen King. And so, you know, it just makes me feel even closer to you that we got to do this together. Why am I getting teary-eyed? I love you so much. (laughs) Stop it. Um, I mean, yeah, it just, yeah. this has meant so much to me because it's gotten me to read things and watch things that I've never seen of his. And I, like, I, everyone's gonna laugh. Dreamcatcher means so much to me. Like, I. Dud it. I, I dud it. You said I. <laughs> I can't believe I went this long without reading that story. And just so many of these movies, like, I can't believe I went that long without seeing fucking Sleepwalkers. How did I not see that dumbass fucking weird ass movie? <laughs> I mean, we have gone on a roller coaster this summer. We have done the best of the best and the worst of the worst. We didn't do quite the worst of the worst. But we did some pretty bad Stephen King. We did a, an eclectic mix because he has everything. It's he's got all over the great, board. he's got bad, he's got all in the middle and He's even got some non-horror stuff that we'll never cover on this channel. I'm never going to cover Green Mile. Never going to cover Shawshank. And I'm never going to cover Dolores Claiborne. They're not horror. And they're hard to talk about. And they're sad. Especially Green Mile. So. You know what's not sad, though? What? The ice is going to break. It's going to (laughs) break. And it is. But the ice is broken on Stephen King's summer. And we are uh, wrapping it up. And I'm sad. Um, But we're on to... 
bigger things, better things, more things, all the things. Um, We are, so um, this will be the last time that this background is going to look like this. I've got a million more prints framed from Horror Hound and a million other places. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we also, um, we've just been so busy doing things that we didn't really take a moment to celebrate the fact that we... Just recorded our 50th episode. 50th episode, So this yes. is 51, this right? Is 52. 52. 52. 52. Yes. We've just been so busy, we didn't even realize. I know, which is so awesome. Like, that's... Like, peop- like we've been doing this a little over a year. That's almost, like, absolutely an episode a week. We've really, like... 52 is, yeah. That's yeah. 50, that's absolutely... Um, we've been killing so it. It's so cool, yeah. Casey's right. been... 50 fucking episodes Fucking killing it. Just talking about nonsense. And, and the fact that you guys have been a part of this journey, whether you... Started watching a week ago, or you've been with us since the keep, start. Our views keep going up. Our subscribers keep going up. We love everyone. And yeah, again, if you've been listening from the start, that's fucking awesome. We love you. Like, wow. I I mean, when we started this, it was going to be a, like, this is going to be fun. Like, let's do some stupid shit. And now it's like, this is like a big part of my life. I fucking yeah. love this podcast. Me too. Um, But yeah, so this, you're going to have a whole new set to look at in the background. For those that watch, for those that just listen, it'll be the same. We love you. <laughs> um, you just have to listen to our annoying voices. And me picking up songs. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so uh, that. And um, next week, we're going to be doing Midnight Meat Train with Katie. Yeah, She uh, has been on the podcast once before. I think only once before she did uh, funny games with us, but she's never been on the camera. Yes, I forgot about that part. So we're very excited to have her on for that. Um, And then I'm so excited for after that. We are going to be doing found footage fall completely orchestrated by Jess. She is going to be putting the entire schedule together. I'm finalizing my list. Good, bad, ugly. It's all going to be Jess, and I'm very excited for that. I can't wait to show her some shitty movies. And you know you can change as you go week to week if you're like, actually, I think I want to do this one instead. It's all up to you, baby. Um, It's going to be super fun. So we're going to be bringing you some really good stuff. I love found footage. I'm so excited to watch a bunch of found footage that I'm sure I haven't seen. Rewatch stuff that I have. It's going to be awesome. Uh, So we're going to do several weeks of that. And then I don't know what's going to happen after that, but we'll still fucking be here doing the damn thing. Doing the damn thing. Doing the damn thing. So. It'll be like whatever winter, like whatever the fuck we feel like doing. Yes. <laughs> we are thinking about, I don't know how you all feel about um, I'll Be Home Invasion for Christmas oh, yeah. uh, in December. That would be fun. Uh, my sister came yes. up with that one. I do like that a lot. <laughs> but in the meantime, until then, uh, make sure that you subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Bear, at Living Dreadful on TikTok and Instagram. At it's called X, Casey. <laughs> it's called Twitter. <laughs> Fuck Elon Musk. Sorry, please continue. It's, <laughs> it's called on Twitter. Instagram and TikTok at Barely Living Dreadful. You can email us at barelylivingdreadful at gmail.com with comments, questions, concerns, requests. And uh, until next week, stay spooky. Bye. 50 fucking episodes. Woo woo.